Welcome, Snapco listeners. Today, we're going to be doing something a little different on our non-guest episode. We are going to be talking about the hype around the Sony A93, and we're also going to talk about SD cards. So we're going to be a little bit uh, leaning on Jeremy's 15 years of expertise to talk to him about this because... Let's be honest, I'm not very smart. I just pick up the camera and figure out like what's the coolest way to shoot it. Jeremy knows everything about the little specs and how to get the most out of it. So let's fire away, Jeremy. Let's talk about this. What are your thoughts on the Sony A93 hype? I mean, I right away was pretty impressed with what I was seeing. And look, these companies, all of them, it's marketing. They want to say, oh, we're the best. Our sensor does this or whatever. But the idea of a global shutter, and just so people understand what that means, is a normal camera, the shutter, when it goes, there's a few options. Every camera you have, for the most part, has a curtain shutter. So think of these little things that slide down and expose the sensor. It used to be film, but expose it a little at a time on an upward or downward movement. So you were kind of limited on some things because of that. And then there's an, then there's another one that's round and think of like a lens closing and it would go that way. So with a global shutter, the entire sensor gets exposed all at the same time. And I'm sure you've had it where you've been taking photos and when there's, especially with LED lights and there's weird banding issues. And like you see little light streaks across there. That's one of the things that this would fix. It would get rid of that. I admittedly have not been a Sony shooter much. I think they make great images. It's not for me, but I immediately looked at this and I was like, oh, I can use this for a lot of different things because you are a Sony shooter, correct? Yep. Sony a seven three. Yeah. And I think this is a step forward and I'm very convinced that every other brand will be coming out with a global shutter within the next year. I would be shocked if it doesn't happen. So what does this global shutter mean for somebody who is taking it out on the course? Like what benefits are we getting using a global shutter over the curtain or like my Sony has the mechanical focal plane shutter and the electronical rolling shutter, which I don't understand how one camera can have two types of shutters, but maybe you can explain that to me. Yeah, uh, we'll start with that. The difference on those two things, and that's something the electric shutter has come with mirrorless cameras. That was never an option before. Previously, what you would have with normal cameras, you would always hear that click. And that would be the mirror inside the camera. The mirror would pop up. It used to be you'd look through the viewfinder, you're seeing a mirror that's going through the lens, and that's the image that you're seeing. And then that mirror would mm -hmm. pop up out of the way. And then the shutter would go behind that all in like a synced thing, depending on your shutter speed mm -hmm. and everything else. With mirrorless, your viewfinder can be digital. So you're not necessarily seeing the mirror and bouncing. So it takes the mirror out of, the, out of it. And that's how you can have a silent okay. shutter because you're seeing the digital image on a little LED screen through the viewfinder. And it, so you can switch in between those. All mirrorless mm -hmm. cameras can do silent with electronic shutter or do a normal shutter and make a little bit of a noise. Mm -hmm. Why Why is it that when I put, and I'm jumping around here, but we're kind of yeah. flowing. Why is it that when I put my camera on silent shutter, I get like kind of more bend in like a club 
And if I were to take it off silent shutter, it's not as like bendy. Does that make sense? Like you kind of get this more like, I don't yeah. know how you want to reference it, but like that the shaft of a driver will look like it's like a real banana when it's on silent. It is because of how the shutter, the curtain shutter, like we talked about how it is rolling. So whatever speed you're shooting at, you can only take, I mean, depending on your light and things like that, you can only go so fast. So what it's happening is in the milliseconds that the club is moving, the shutter is rolling down and being exposed. So it is catching that little bit of movement of the club because golf is one of the things where you swing the club fast. It's just showing a little bit of the movement. But with this new Sony, it wouldn't do that because it is exposing the entire sensor at the same time. So the moment it goes, all the light, all the image is coming in in that exact moment. And we can do this at a rate of one over 80,000 is how quick that shutter can go. Yeah. Which which is I mean, let's insane. Say, it is insane. There's very few times you're going to be able to use that is my thought on it. That is very much a marketing Oh, we can go up to this shutter speed. Yes, you can, but you're going to have to have a ton of light or take your ISO up really high. Because you have to remember your ISO, your shutter speed and your F-stop mm -hmm. are all working together. So, of course, mm -hmm. you're going to have to be wide open, one, two, two, eight, whatever it's going to be. Then you have to take your ISO up so all those can work out together with the right amount of light mm -hmm. to be able to use that. So that yeah. is something that sounds impressive. But I do think that it is rare. Golf is is one that you could use it in should be outside, but there is a little bit of rarity. Something else that I want to look more into is they say on this one is the pre-capture. We'll get into what else that sounds like. But it's the idea is when you hit the shutter, it's actually starting to take some frames a little before you actually hit it which I think is so, interesting. So like if you if you hit the shutter to do like a, a focus capture, right? Mm -hmm. So it kind of grabs it. You're, you're telling, you're saying it's already starting to take in data. That's what I'm understanding from reading about it just a little bit. Interesting, interesting. And, you know, to go back to the one over 80,000, the shutter speed, you're right. The 80,000 is probably very much a marketing like, holy cow, because I mean, mine goes to eight. And I think most cameras like that's top. But yeah, to me, it's like, well, what is like a 20,000 shutter speed look like? Like that's, you know, that's pretty cool. What's a what's a 35,000 shutter speed? Like, you know, it's that area between 8,000 and 80,000 that's you, get, you can get really creative with. Yeah. I mean, you're freezing a moment is what you're coming, what it comes down to. You are. Mm hmm just completely freezing something um and it's continuous bursting so there's no like you, you're not waiting on anything it's the fastest possible is mm -hmm. what it, and i imagine also there's gonna be some quickly some firmwares in the this to deal with what video speed can do and things like that which i think would be um some potential because you see all the guys like Jeff Marsh been doing slow-mo video. Well, yeah, with the fire, what is that camera they're using? I don't even know what that one is. It's very impressive. Um, I, I, that is, gets a little out of my world, but I think it is very impressive what it can do. 
in the continuous shooting, because if, if we're in the mind of somebody who's on the golf course taking photos, you know, outside of maybe landscape, more of a person swinging a club, riding a cart, walking, whatever it may be, in the continuous shooting mode, we're talking up to 120 frames per second at 24 megapixels, right? So mm-hmm. for reference, the Sony a7 III is up to 10 frames per second at also 24 megapixels. But it says also for up to 89 frames raw, over 177, I don't know what all this means, up to, up to, up to. But the up to 120 frames per second at 24 megapixels, I mean, is that number seems impressive to somebody who doesn't truly understand it? Is it marketing or is it awesome? No, it is It is impressive. Um, when you want to be able to catch that moment that the ball is coming off the club face, if you want to catch the sand flying up in the air. I mean, they even on their website, they use golf photos as examples and it is a bunker shot. Mm-hmm. You're you're able to catch some moments that you wouldn't be able to normally that you would hope to get, but you're not always going to get. Because I think the Canon the R5, I think it tops out around 40 frames per second, um, which is still very good. But there's times where I hold that shutter down. I'm like, oh, I just missed it. Um, I... I'll I come into the same thing. So normally mine happens on the downswing. It's almost between I don't know what you want to call it, like PE three on the downswing and impact. Like I, I sometimes feel like there's a gap that I have somewhere in that downswing where it's it's missing what I'm wanting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gets the backswing and then coming down, it's like it skips maybe two or three. Like it can't really keep up with with how quickly it's moving. And maybe I need to I don't know bump my shutter speed up to grab that or get a faster SD card. I mean, things we will move on to, but yeah, that's kind of, that was my thought first seeing that is, Oh, I can, you're basically taking a video in pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it gives you every touch of it. And yes, SD card, we will get into that later, but that is a big factor um, to be able, all the things where you see where it says up to your SD card is going to be your limiting factor on a lot of that because hmm. it has to be able to write the speed. Essentially, it has to be able to write it quick enough right. onto the heart. I mean, you have to think all these started as actual hard drives, um, floppy disk originally with digital, but it has to be able to write it quick enough to then bring in the next one and bring in the next one without hitting a buffer. Yeah. Because yeah. if you put a slower thing in there, it just will not get close to that. Right. So let me ask you this, just uh, seeing the hype around it, doing some, you know, a little bit of research on it. Uh, Two questions. One, on the course, this seems like an incredible camera. Now we're saying incredible camera because it's got a price tag of $6,000 on it, which Mm -hmm. is still cheaper than the Sony A1, which is a thing at 65. But on the course, it seems like an awesome camera. It's just funny to me looking at it because I'm like, if you look at so many people who are using an A1 and A7 III or whatever, like, you know, do they need it, right? Is it a necessary item? Like, where does this fall? And then I'm also curious with this camera as a studio photographer, is this too much or does this intrigue you in the studio space? Um, In the studio space, it would have like inside in a studio space, it has a very limited 
use because in ideally you're not going to deal with high ISO in a studio using strobes. Mm -hmm. Um, what I want to see, and I have not seen anyone do it. And a few people have had their hands on these cameras and done some test shots with it. And I've seen a few things out there. The intriguing thing with strobe and flash is it says it will sync at any shutter speed. And that is because of the global shutter, because it's all the lights coming in at one time, as opposed to coming in those little curtain waves, mm -hmm. which, so what that means is you could be outside so in the past, you could only sync a flash around 125, 160, and that's about it. So you were limited on being able to freeze stuff and shoot fast because otherwise how it would work is the flash would go off. And when the shutter went down, if you went faster than 160th of a second, 125th of a second, it would only see the flash for half of it. So you would get a, a photo. If you're up at 250th of a second, 500th of a second, you would see half the photo would have a flash line in it where the, the lights came in and then half of it, it would be dark because it's just how mm -hmm. the light moves onto the sensor. So with this, the moment that you hit the button, it opens the entire sensor to the light. So all the light comes in at once. Mm-hmm. And it opens up a lot of things. There were a few ways to get around this with certain cameras that were very specific, but nothing that shot fast. Like the medium format phase camera was able to go up a little bit higher, but you were shooting three frames per second max with that camera. Mm -hmm. So it could give you these like beautiful blue skies behind the subject and still light someone with strobe. But what this opens up is the ability to take outdoor flash photo and capture all the action of it. Now, you're going to have to have a very expensive, very specific flash. Profoto is the industry standard, and it is just like Profoto strobes, our studio strobes that most people use. There's Broncolor, but Profoto is the top of the line. And their highest end strobe, which you have to plug this in, so you'd have to think you have to be outside. You have to plug this in. A lot of specific things that you can pull off, but it will keep up with this camera is what it comes down to. The flashes can go off every 0 0.02 to 0.2 seconds. So as fast as you can hit that shutter, the flash will go off just as quick for a limited mm -hmm. number of frames. So if you think about it, not only could you do a photo of someone hitting out of a bunker or hitting a golf shot, you could potentially light it beyond anything you've ever seen and catch the entire swing. Where before, if you lit something like this, you're catching like two or three pops of the flash and they would be like up top, down low. Like you're, you're, you're hoping that you get every bit of it, but this, right. the flash would go off just as quick as you could hit the, just as quick as you're hitting the button. And you would catch every moment and it would be lit well. Because the big number, like we talked about, the one over 80,000th of a second is also the exact same flash duration on these pro photos, which is very confusing. It's very technical. But think about it this way. In one 80,000th of a second, 
the light comes out of this flash and stops. And you have to spend the money to get this. This technical, this pack, the Pro Photo 11, is $17,500. And that doesn't even come with the flash head that goes on it, which is another $2,500. <laughs> So you're if you're doing this right, and look, these are things that people rent for fo- for big high end photo shoots. Right. Very yeah, few yeah. people, like most people, do not own these. They're come from rental places, but it just opens up potential that has never been done before. Um, another way to think about it is a lot of times when you see outdoor portraits, a lot of like another discussion we've had is a lot of it's in focus because you're limited to what your shutter speed can be. So if you're outdoors and you're shooting at 125 and it's a sunny day, then without any ND filters or anything, you're having to go to F11, F16. Mm -hmm. Well, with this, you can take your shutter up higher, you can drop your F-stop down and make these more interesting, artistic looking portraits, or action shots outside without having hmm. to rely on ND filters and rely on other things that always give a slightly different look than what you would, at least what I would want it to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, that alone hmm. for me was enough that when this thing came out, I was like, Ooh, how could I, how could I buy one of these in like one nice lens, but then I'm just, I'll, I'll rent it if I need it for something. Yeah, because I mean, if you throw on, you know, uh, one of those uh, a Sony nine three, and let's just say you want to do a G Master twenty four to seventy, I mean, you're looking at nine grand. Exactly, exactly. Um, So what we're gonna do is you're gonna buy it. I've already decided this. You're you're gonna buy it, and then we're gonna play around with it on a golf trip. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) No. Hi. Pre-order done. <laughs> I like it. I think Pre-order I think this done. is the way to go. Um, I mean, so- it's not. It, trust me, it's it's been crossing my mind. Of is it? I, I've been thinking about a second body anyway um, for some stuff, and it's been like, yeah, because I was like, oh, I'll just do an A one, and then I'm like, is this necessary? And I I didn't jump the gun, but I'm like, eh, it might be a mid year. Like we might just set aside our pennies and make this one happen. I don't know. So how much is the A1? 65. And what does that gain you? Let's do, we're going to use, this is not a free ad, but we are going to go on B&H and do a comparison across all three bodies. So we're going to do the A9 III, A7 III, and Sony A1. So from a price point perspective, uh, a nine three is a six thousand dollar camera. A seven three is a fifteen hundred dollar camera, and the A one is a sixty five hundred dollar camera. Um, if we talk specifically around the shutter type, the A one and seven three are both the mechanical focal plane shutter. You know, electronic rolling shutter. They're exactly the same. Yep. Um, mechanical shutters are exactly the same i mean you do get the electronic shutters which i don't necessarily know what that means you get one over thirty-two thousand to 30 seconds um 
It's all Which, those are all pretty standard. Like I think most yeah most cameras at that level across all the brands are going to be roughly in that realm at this point. So so what is mechanical shutter versus electronic shutter? Explain that to me because the A93 is only electronical shutter. The A73 doesn't spe- I guess it's it doesn't specify. It just says it. But then on the Sony A1 it says mechanical shutter. Here's your specs. Electronic shutter. Here's your specs. It it's just that uh, silent versus non-silent. It is oh, okay. Mechanical, and there was arguments for years that they were leaving the sound of a shutter opening and closing, which is the mirror moving up and down on mm-hmm. cameras. There was arguments that they could have gotten rid of that sound a lot earlier, but everyone for nostalgic reasons that's what they know a camera sounds like and they all the brands kind of left it in there longer than i think they should have um there were ways to like deaden that sound a little interesting so let me ask you this if i'm somebody who's looking for a camera my first camera or to upgrade a camera and i'm somebody who takes pictures on a golf course what are things that i should be looking for when i'm doing that is it megapixels is it you know shutter speed is it the um the shutter type like because i'm going to assume shutter type is all going to be the same outside of the a93 because that's this new electronic global shutter but what are things that you know you know if i'm I'm between two cameras like what's going to help me make the decision to get the right camera price aside I think we're to the point where megapixels are less of an issue than they used to be. I mean, when I was in college and coming out and all the digitals were coming out, it was each brand would jump up by like two megapixels. Canon would come out with a 10 megapixel. Nikon would come out with just a little bit higher. And this was before Sony and Fuji really got into it. Um, Like I'm, I'm, for instance, I'm looking right now between the, the A9 and the A1. And I'm seeing the difference of why someone would want one over the other. The A1 is 50 megapixels. The A9, 24 megapixels. Yep. So I don't think 50 megapixels is necessary for most people. Like if you're out taking photos on a golf course and you're just enjoying yourself, 50 megapixels is overkill. 24 where how these sensors are made now is plenty you're able to shoot in lower light most of the time on at that level of sensor um so really i would be looking at how fast the the frames per second is what i would be looking at like how many shots if you're trying to catch action and things like that how many shots per second can you get that's a big which, I mean, yeah, which the, the A93 is the leader in the clubhouse at 120 frames per second. Yeah, it's it's pretty absurd. Um, yeah, I mean, the A1, the A1, which is $500 more and has double the megapixels, only does up to 30 frames per second at 50 megapixels. And yeah. then, you know, there's the rest for up to 155 frames, blah, 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 blah. But 30, you know, we're talking, what, almost four times that amount? 
Is that right? But, yeah. But also, let's just remember, 30 frames per second is so much. Like, 120, yeah. 120 per second is unbelievable and just absurd. 30 mm -hmm. frames per second is still so good. Like, yeah. Um, the the big difference that I'm seeing on the A1 is actually for the video stuff. It has 8K. It has it, it has more options. It can do 16-bit raw video. Like there, there's things there that if you're worried about video and but that at that point you're talking like production quality video that could go on television. Yeah. Um, which most people don't need. If you're putting this on your Instagram, you don't need 8K video. <laughs> like right. They don't think anything it would turn out like trash. Yeah, because it's gonna take the bit rate down when you post it on Instagram and it's not gonna look as good anyways. Right. Yep. Anytime you post something on social, it's going to take the quality down a little bit. Mm. Um, I have a friend that's big about this, and he will only post on Instagram from his computer because he says the quality is a little bit better. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever posted from my computer. Same. <laughs> I, I've yeah. I, I need to sit down with him and have him explain it to me. But um <laughs> okay, so, so let's do this all in. You're upgrading. You got you're looking at three. Let's say you're using a a Sony A six thousand, a Sony A sixty five hundred, whatever it may be. And you're like, it's time to time to big boy up. You're looking at A seven three because it's a standard one that pretty much everybody carries. I I feel like most people carry. You're looking at the A one, and you're looking at the A nine three. At money again, dollar dollar value aside, which one is Jeremy walking away with? Right now, I would grab the new one. I would grab the A9 for the purpose of that global shutter. Um, I am not someone that's big about video. If I were if I were using this primarily for video, I would go with the A1. And I do think I'm looking at it for something different than other people would be looking at because a lot of people are like, oh, that's so fast. I can capture everything, freeze it, and get all of that. I'm looking at it for that strobe syncing and being able to do some stuff with it that I want to be able to play with it and try it. Because like I said, I haven't seen anyone, I've been looking around, I haven't seen anyone do with it strobe wise what I would try to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I know people will. I know that there are going to be people that use this in such a creative, unique way. And I'm excited to see what it opens up for people. So yeah, that's what I would, that's what I would go with. Hey guys, it's Jeremy here to talk about Precision Pro. Mike here. Back in the day, I did a lot of research on rangefinders and I came to the conclusion that Precision Pro was the best option for me. I had a different brand rangefinder in my bag for the longest time until I discovered the Precision Pro NX10 Slope. I love the easy to lock on target, the lifetime battery replacement warranty, the three-year warranty, and it allows me to change my skins for my personal touch. Mine has a custom skin from when I did a hundred hole hike for youth on course at Sweetens Cove last year. That way, every time I pull it out of my bag, I'm reminded of how good that day was. So make sure you go to precisionpro.com, use code PINS20, and get yourself a new rangefinder. 
Let's talk about the most important item in your golf bag, your glove. We here at Snaphook connected with Joe Lusa, the owner and creator of Benzie Golf Gloves, and have been wearing their gloves for the past year. As golfers, we put so much thought into our fit. It blows us away when people have old beat up or the standard big box manufacturing gloves. Benzy gloves are made of premium grade Cabretta leather at the price point that is hard to beat. Our favorite gloves are the Elephant Print 7210 and the Chapel Hill. Visit them at BenzyGolf.com and follow them on Instagram at BenzyGolf. Okay, so now let's talk about what SD card you should be using not necessarily in the Sony A93, but this is something I've been giving more thought around. And I walk into uh, Mike's cameras or jump on B&H or hell, even sometimes walking if you're in a pinch, go to Walgreens and find one, right? Mm -hmm. But there's so much going on on this little, you know, half inch by half inch card. And what I normally walk in and go is, hey, how many gigabytes is that? Oh, 64? Great. I'll take that one. That's the one I need. Wasn't yep. so recent that I walked in. I'm like, I want to make sure I'm using the right SD card. So I asked the guy, like, hey, this is what I'm primarily taking pictures of. What do you recommend? And he said, I recommend this Velocity Sin Pro Master SDHC, whatever. This this one. And I was like, okay, cool. But I see advertisements for SD cards all the time. You walk in and they're like, oh, do you need this $1,000 Sony SD card? And I'm like, no. I don't need a thousand dollar SD card. Like that's the last thing I need, or maybe it is something I need, but how talk to me about the importance of the right SD card for what you're shooting. So we started on it for just a minute ago earlier. It's all about how fast these SD cards can save your information and get to the next photo. So all okay. these cameras, any camera that says 30 frames per second, 12 frames per second, whatever it may be, can only do that one for a certain period of time because these are computers and the SDU card you put in it is like your hard drive. It can only keep up with how quick the computer can write the images onto the hard drive and save it and get to the next one. So all these cameras, you're going to hit a buffer. You can hold that shutter down for so long and it will stop shooting at a certain point because it's trying to catch up with every photo that you've taken and mm -hmm. writing it and saving it onto your memory card. Mm -hmm. So if you go to like your normal Walgreens or Target and just buy a cheap one, they'll be really slow. Like I have a variety of cards right here on a lot of them. I was looking at yours. I'm Googling it right now. Um, the Velocity. Is it the ProMaster Professional? Just the ProMaster. Okay. So what it comes down to is I have right here in front of me, I have a SanDisk Extreme Plus, and then I have a SanDisk Extreme Pro. One's gold, one's black. The difference between these two is the writing speed. And most of these have them written on it. The Extreme Plus is 800 megabytes per second. That's how fast it can write information on it. Now the Extreme Pretty Pro... Yours doesn't have it on there. That's what I was trying to Google to see. So the Extreme Pro is 300 megabytes per second. So it's writing more than three times faster than the other one. And then you get to a level 
beyond that. And that's what I wanted to see. I assume the Sony A9 is going to have the faster one because then you have beyond SD cards, there are the CF Express cards and they're expensive. A few different brands make them. Sony has theirs. I have for my R5 is the SanDisk Extreme Pro SF Express card. Now it can write 1200 megabytes per second. So it's able to keep up with things. And so the more important number that you need to look for is the writing speed on these cards. Because otherwise it doesn't matter how fast your camera can shoot. If the SD card can't keep up with it or the CF Express card can't keep up with it, it's going to stop you from shooting and you have to wait for it to write and then go again. Okay. So I'm looking, I'm on B&H right now and I'm looking at SD cards and we have the SanDisk Extreme Pro, 128 gigabyte that says 200 per second. Yep. Okay. I guess my question is, is that a fast SD card? I'm going to, I'm probably going to say no. It will do, this is the other thing we have to remember. In this scenario, you're talking about the extreme ends. If you were trying to use the Sony A9 to its extreme level and push it as 120 frames per second, you need faster than that. So if you're looking at your camera and you're looking at the frames per second, which will use me as an example. So I have the A7 III, 10 frames per second, I think is what it is. Am I using that number to determine what type of SD card I'm getting? Yeah. And also, I don't think that there, I'm sure that there is some, someone much smarter than me that can give you the exact ratio of how many shots you can get before you hit that buffer and it'll stop writing for you. But no matter what, the faster is always going to be better. Okay. That was my next question. Are we just Ricky Bobby in this and, you know, the faster, the better if you're not first or last. Yeah. And look, also, you're going to get to a point where every time you go up a level, the cost goes up. Yes. And all these have come down. I mean, the cost of hard drives, the cost of flash drives, jump drive, all of that has come down in price drastically. Like your solid state drives have become cheaper. I have sitting here on my desk. I think I've shown this to you before. So this is a compact flash card from back in the day, and it held 340 megabytes on the card. So this is something that came with like the original digital cameras, and it was like a test one. It's made by IBM, and it is a micro drive. It is a tiny hard drive, the size. Oh. Yeah. So there was a spinning piece in here like a normal hard drive. This is before solid states were even a kind of a thing. And I found this as like, I have to keep it as like an artifact. It wouldn't even hold one photo at this point. But now that solid really? states, oh yeah, I mean, it's 340 megabytes. Like I doubt it would even hold anything. So yes, if you want to shoot fast and you want to be able to catch those action moments, your memory card, whatever type it may be, needs to be able to write equally as fast that's what it comes down to and no matter what you're going to hit a buffer and you're going to it's going to stop all these cameras can only do a certain level and so you're you're limited no matter what but with the rates they're talking about it's pretty unlimited okay let me ask you this because 
the SD cards fill up. I mean, they're not unlimited space, right? They they have capacity. Are you a buy a new SD card type of person, or do you pull all the data, all the assets off the SD card, you know, external hard drive, back backup hard drive, and then format your SD card, or are you out buying a new SD card? No one should be buying new SD cards. They are temporary hard drives to move your stuff from your camera to your computer and to other places. You need to keep up with them and make sure they don't wear out. I have had them die over the years when you shoot enough on them, especially on the SDs, the little plastic pieces on the back will break off. And that's a sign that it's getting too much wear on them. They'll still work. You can clip them and they'll still work fine. But no, they are temporary use to transfer things over. Temporary use that can be wiped, formatted, and reused again for a limited time. Yeah, I mean, and they'll last a while. Like, I have put SD cards through the washer and dryer, and they came out on the other end just fine. They're, so, they're so, solid state. Normally, the dryer is what kills them, not the washing machine, yeah. if you leave them in your pocket. Yeah. So then it's safe to say that if you're somebody who is a novice photographer investing in a quality SD card once a year is a hundred percent worth it than ripping through these, you know, cheap ones that are small megabytes and not very fast type of scenario. Yeah. I probably have 20 different SD cards. They vary in speeds, but I know that if there were times where, Oh, I forgot to bring extra and I'll go grab some cheaper ones just to use. I have six different CF Express cards that I tend to use more now because they are so much faster. They also download quicker. That's another thing with the CF Express. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to buy a different type of card reader, of course, but mm -hmm. it downloads to the computer so much quicker. So if you're in a live event scenario, shooting something that you need to turn stuff around quickly, but you actually want to edit it on your computer, it saves you a lot of time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which I think we're probably going to, this one will probably drop Wednesday, right? Or you'll be listening yep. to it on a Wednesday before Black Friday. And my recommendation would be if you are somebody who is getting into this or you need new stuff, Amazon Black Friday, your external hard drive, your SD cards, if you can find them there, like anything you think you might want to stock up on, take this information and use Black Friday and Amazon as you know, your way of getting it at a good price and just know that you can hold on to them for a second. I got a thick boy external for very cheap um, on like a prime day one day. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and just look at all those memory cards on most of them. You'll see a little thing that says megabytes per second. Yeah. You, you just want that to be faster. Now they're starting to add some, have two different numbers and one will be right and one will be record. So is you, it the V90 or like three that's inside the U with the two? Like that's all a lot of hoopla. No, that is, that has to do with recording um, video is that one. It'll just be a separate number that'll say like, like here's a Sandisk Extreme Pro, 200 megabytes per second. And that just tells you how quickly it'll write. So ideally you want to be in, oh, into those numbers. You want to be a little bit faster. You want to be in the 200 range. If you're shooting stuff that you need to try to keep up with a thing, but it's not the end of the world. If you're still 
once like here's the Lexar professional, it's 160 megabytes per second. Mm-hmm. It will still do it, but you're just going to hit that buffer a lot sooner. The smaller that number is. Okay. So here's a question for you. I just, I pulled up the SanDisk Extreme Pro mm-hmm. and we have the both that are 128 gigabyte. One of them has a maximum read speed of 300 megabytes per second with a maximum write speed of 260 megabytes per second. That's a $120 SD card. The $20 SD card has a max read speed of 200 megabytes per second. So a hundred less than the previous one, but a write speed of 90 megabytes per second. So like 120 or the math works out the way it does. We want to go and invest in that $120 SD card with a read speed of 300 and a write speed of 260. Yeah, for sure. And then you get to the next level with the SanDisk Extreme Pro and it is the CFast Express. And I'm getting on these read speeds of 1700 megabytes per second and write speed of 1200 megabytes per second. So these type of cards, that type of speed is what you would need for the Sony A9 to keep up with what it has the potential to do. And even then sometimes some of these other ones will be able to do it for a second and be able to shoot it and do it really quick. And then it's gonna shut you down because it's just gotta catch up. And then there've been times where I've held down the shutter when I had a slower one in and it is struggling to even fire because it's just waiting on the computer inside of the camera to write it over to the hard drive, which is your SD card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking, I mean, B&H has a one terabyte uh, max read speed of 200, max write speed of 140 for 150 bucks. And I'm thinking that's not terrible. Well, and then there's the like, argument there is an argument of, I try not to make my cards too big. I okay. like to keep them 128 gigabytes, maybe 256 for photos. A lot of those really big ones yeah. are for video and you're cranking out 8K and you just need a lot of storage so you can roll video longer than 10 minutes. Yeah. There are times and people go both ways on this. These cards can quit working on you. And if you have a terabyte worth of stuff on it that you're trying to transfer over because you've been shooting so much on it for how whatever if you're not backing it up and moving it over properly these cards can die and then you're just going to lose that stuff there's no way around it so you like to use the limited space to force you to pull the assets off of it instead of just knowing i've got a terabyte worth of stuff and i might not pull everything off after every shoot but i'll get to it eventually putting yourself at risk of that SD card shitting out. Yeah. I start every shoot with a fresh formatted card. Like it is very rare. Every once in a while, I forget to pull something off and it'll be something small, normally with the kids or whatever it may be just around the house. If I pull a camera out, but I try to download everything off that memory card when the shoot is over. And then I'm starting with a fresh one because you're reformatting it. It's clean. It's ready to go. And you know that that's what that is. 
it, and this is going to be a, probably most people roll their eyes and be like, yeah, we know what you're talking about. But I ran into it when I first started doing it, just because you plug in your SD card into your laptop and you take the images and pull them off and put them in a trash can, that SD card is not quote unquote empty. Like you still have to put it into your camera and format it in order to make it a fresh card. Yep. There are ways on certain software. I don't know why you ought to ever do this, but some people when they're doing quick turnaround on shoots. You can set up your computer to whatever you're uploading it into, Lightroom, Capture One, whatever it may be. It does have an option to click to format your card when you're done. I always like to make sure it's backed up more than that and not just trust it on the first pass. <laughs> and yeah. then I'll deal with it later. Yeah. But it it does have an option for that. All right. Well, I'm not going to go buy a new camera, but I've got Come a on, big... do it. I... <laughs> I got a big week of golf coming up on Thanksgiving week and... I am glad we had this conversation because I'm going to go and buy at least one new SD card for this trip. And I'm going to look at these specific examples and make sure I'm buying the right one. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have. And it's like, these are the little costs that can add up, but it's the stuff that's going to work for a, a good amount of time without any issues, unless you destroy them somehow. Here's a, just a, this is a stupid, like grade A stupid question, but I'm asking it. There's, because no, I don't there's no dumb questions. What does this lock button do on the side? So if you hit that and put it in there, say you don't want to shoot over something or like it won't let you format it. It won't, sometimes it won't even let you shoot anything to it. So it just locks it in. I don't know why. I'm sure there was a reason someone came up with an engineer decided, oh, if we if we put this little lock thing, then no one can accidentally format their card. I, I've never seen anyone actually use it. If anything, I've been annoyed because it, get, it gets stuck on or, or like I've actually put it in a case and I'm like, oh, it's locked. I have to like take it out and redo it. Yeah. 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 I think that's the real reason for it. And get ready because I am betting on every round of golf you play this week. Happening. Happening. Like you're like anybody um, wants that action, get that loop out. Like you're going down. I may give you one easy one, depending on where you're playing, because I, I need you to win something back. But um wait, what is <laughs> what is this fancy jacket you have on, by the way? Uh, oh, it's a cardigan. Thanks for asking. Just you know, my smoker's jacket. <laughs> <laughs> shout out, shout out Grayson. It's got smoke all over it. Little, little cardigan. I just, I've been a good, big cardigan guy this year. So it's going down. So it's going to start Sunday. So by the time everybody's listening to this, I will be three days into what's going on. Um, but it's starting Sunday. I actually got invited to the Warriors game Monday for a work thing. Oh, so yeah. I'm going to go sit up, you know, be a fancy person in a box. And then, yeah. Tuesday, we're off and running. Wednesday's going to be a big day. We might do a little bit of hay. I have to see that's actually on the loop app. A little hay, little MPCC. And then, I mean, I might take a break on Saturday. We might go hard on Sunday. I don't I don't know. There's just so much. This is the best time of year. You just, it's raining here. It's not going to rain next week. We got, we got golf to be played, money to be made. Yeah, rub it in. We're recording this on Saturday. I got home from New York and I am sitting at home alone all day today my wife's gone on a girls weekend my kids i'm very thankful are at my parents house did i go play golf today no i should have but i was taking product photos for pinfold in my living room so enjoy enjoy all your golf that's very responsible of you very responsible i may get out actually even next week the best i'm going to do is in town and go 
play some simulator golf, but the kids will be there. So I can't even take it too serious. Yeah. I really enjoyed this conversation. I really, I learned a lot. And I think one, we want to hear from people as to like other things they want to learn about. Right. Cause like my mind's already thinking, maybe we just continue this flow. And the next time we talk about this, we're talking about SD card readers, external hard drives, cloud storage, like what we use there, how that all works. And then we just maybe jump into lenses and other bodies and, you know, whatever it may be. Lighting. I think that we can get into some simple, lighting. Light, some simple lighting things that, no, it may not be you're using it on the golf course to take a photo of people playing, but if you need to shoot a product, if you need to do something smaller that can work indoors, outdoors, like there's a lot of different things you can do to just elevate that type of stuff without breaking the bank all the time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's going to be a really, really good one. Cause I agree with you. It's especially as these days get darker sooner and mm -hmm. that time to get that natural light, whether it's inside or outside is limited. The external lighting is pretty massive. So that that's going to be a good one. I'm excited for. Yeah. And I, I have lots of experience on those. So I, and, but I'm always, I just bought something brand new that I'm this, these little led loom cube cheap yep. easy to use but they served the exact need that i had and i was like oh great they're that's yep. what I, we I have they're they're great but we'll talk more about them let's not let's not get too far ahead of ourselves on this yeah. so i don't know you got anything else you want to bring up before we uh wrap this up and let everybody get to get to golfing and shooting no let's let everyone i mean if you're listening to this the day it comes out enjoy your thanksgiving it's tomorrow yeah. and spend some time with the family or on the golf course your choice yeah Keep snapping. Keep snapping.